to The Unfolding presented by the Loveland Foundation. I'm your host, Rachel Keener. Today's guest is Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford. Dr. Joy is a licensed psychologist, speaker, founder, and CEO of Therapy for Black Girls and host of its widely popular mental health podcast. She's also the author of Sister of Hills, The Transformative Power of Healing Community. Her work focuses on making mental health topics more relevant and accessible for Black women. And she specializes in creating safe spaces for them to have fuller and healthier relationships with themselves and others. Hi, Dr. Joy. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Rachel? I'm good. I'm good. Just enjoying the day. I hear that. <laughs> Before we get started, I just wanted to take a moment and just say thank you. Um, Therapy for Black Girls has changed my life, changed so many of my friends' lives, and it's just become a truly a safe space for us to find therapists and even before I knew I was interviewing, I was like, oh, Therapy for Black Girls. Like, I know her. Like, you know, so excited. And then I was telling one of my friends, they're like, you're doing that? And so I'm just like, yeah. So I just want to say thank you. They said, make sure you tell her thank you. And I was like, I will. So I appreciate that. Thank you and your friends. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. No, really. Like, whenever someone's like, oh, I'm thinking about seeing a therapist. I'm like, Therapy for Black Girls in the link. Like, <laughs> and they tell you everything you need to know. But I read your book, Sisterhood Hills, and in your book, you said that you created therapy for Black girls to create a safe space for Black girls and Black women. Um, so I guess my first question is, what spaces did you feel safe in growing up? Ooh. You know, I feel like my mom and my grandmother and my aunts created incredible safe spaces for me. So my mom has six sisters. So I feel like there was lots of like women, black girl energy around me all the time. Um, and we did a lot of stuff as fa- as a family. Um, I would like spend after school at for hours, like at my grandmother's house and like two or three of my aunts was always like living with her. So it feels like I was always just kind of doing things with my grandmother, my mom and my aunts. Um, so I would say that was like probably my original safe space um and then i have friends who i have two of my best friends i have been friends with since college and we all live in atlanta now um and so i also feel like they're an incredibly safe space for me no it's crazy because um when i was listening to i listened to audiobook um and when i was listening to it um you said something like as we heal our sisters they heal us and that created like this light bulb my effect and i was like Oh, I thought about all the times I was going through something and all, all the times like I always remember my sisters, both biological given to me and my my chosen sisters, my friends being there. And like, I can't remember a moment when they haven't been there for me. And it made me really like take a moment, just like experience like this deep, like sense of gratitude. And I was like, just seeing that on paper and hearing it from you just really like hit me personally. And I was like, wow, like they really, and I like, was like, thank you guys for like always being there for me. So... Yeah. Just to ease into it, um, how has a sister healed you this week, would you say? Ooh, this week? Recently, mm. maybe? Yeah, you know, I would have to say one of my friends. So um, one of the friends I was talking about that lives in Atlanta, we also all have boys who play baseball. Um, and so we went to a Braves game recently and it was so hot. Like I just was exhausted. And so she sent me a text message after that and was like, hey, you didn't seem like yourself. Like, is everything good? Um, and so I just had to explain to her like, no, girl, I was like, it's probably almost sun drained at that point. Um, but I appreciated it, you know, like the checking in and like, hey, is everything good? Um, so I would have to say that that probably is the most recent memory I have. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that ties into like the importance you mentioned of being held and seen in mm-hmm. sisterhood and friendship. Right. Because 
yeah, like I was like, those were, I would say are the two qualities that like I look for when I'm like, and like not necessarily I look for, but when I feel the safest is like when I feel truly seen, even when I'm like not even having to communicate, but like someone's like, oh, like you seemed off or oh, uh-huh. like I know you like like it's just like oh like you you see me like you recognize yes. me and it's such a it's such a beautiful thing and it's just so amazing that like we have friends and sisters who are able to do that and like do healing and like in that space mm-hmm. so yes yeah and that they're like paying attention to like these patterns that you're not even always aware of right so I, I definitely think it is a <laughs> like they just you know they're just kind of quietly paying attention to things that you are you think are invisible to other people people who really care about you often do see those things yeah it's like sometimes they call you out for it and you're just like oh okay like thank you <laughs> yeah, like, I wasn't ready to go there yet but okay <laughs> no yes I remember in college I lived with my friend who I had known since um high school and she was like oh you know like when you're stressed out you make these really weird noises and I was just like I do and like yeah. and she's like yeah like so that's how I know you're not doing so well and I'm just like oh and like now every time I do that I'm like oh there I go again like mom need to get that check so yeah I love that that. you know and we may get to this but you know one of the things that I wrote in the book were around the four s's of sisterhood and one of them was that it allows for greater knowledge of yourself and so this is a beautiful example of that right like so other people know that you're stressed and now that they've called that to your attention you also can recognize that for yourself so in your relationship with your sisters you get a greater understanding and greater knowledge of who we are for ourselves Yes, it really like taps into like this, like in your book style, like the power of healing community. Like, we're not meant to do this alone, like go through this world alone. And like Mm -hmm. having people who really see us, help us, and like inspire us to do better, be better, but also like a place to feel safe and like feel like we could just like, you said in your book, um, and I love this, it was. It's like sisterhood and friendships are the only place where there's no expectations for you to be anything. Like we have expectations in work, expectations in relationships, expectations in like (laughs) just everything, like especially as black women, but like in your friendships, like you truly just get to be you and like, where else can you do that? Yes. And I feel like that is both a good thing and a bad thing, right? Like, because I think (laughs) there has been so much focus on like who we are as romantic partners and who we are as parents and who we are as professionals that like all of the energy has gone to all of those places. And there are all these books and resources and, you know, endless counseling, endless things about like who we should be in those roles. That friendship has kind of been left off of that list, right? Which means that it is like this unfettered space for us to really just be ourselves, um, which I think is really a strength of, of that space i think so because i uh, i don't know if you see this but like a lot of um like platonic life partners has been like trending lately where like people mm-hmm. are really starting to prioritize friendships again and really prioritize yes. like the romance of friendships and i'm so here for it like i think yeah so many different relationships are beautiful but like there's something so special about like a friend you know and something that like like i was like when i was listening to your um book it made me want to rewatch Living Single, so I restarted it, and I was just like, "Oh, like," <laughs> I was like, "I grew up watching this," and it explains like why I just love being around my friends and like all like the shenanigans we get into, and just like, just the fun you have with friends and like the freedom you feel with them, and it's just like really like it's so fun, <laughs> like it's just so powerful, yes. it's just so great to. 
see that happening. Yes. You know, I think, you know, I feel like I've had this conversation before, but I feel like that is what a lot of us miss about like our undergrad experience is that like it probably was the last time we were like so carefree and like friends were in close proximity. You could just go to the dining hall or go, you know, a midnight food run or, you know, whatever. Like it just feels like there was this carefreeness to life before you know you graduated and everybody had to like get real jobs so to speak um and so i think you're looking for elements of that and like how you can build that back into your life is really really important to be intentional about um you know kind of creating those memories and those experiences with friends even when things get really busy oh exactly i um i currently live alone i moved out of like my family's um place a few years ago and one thing I noticed was like, cause I was very close with my family. I have two older sisters and my mom and my sister-in-law who I consider a sister and we were all living together. And like, when I moved out on my own, I was like, Oh, I like missed that everydayness of it. And like the, mm-hmm. just like that, like the sounds of my family, the sounds of my sisters, like we're all doing our own thing, but like just the sounds of, them, you know, and just even like this past weekend, I had one of my friends who I've known since the fourth grade staying with me. And I, I was like, why am I so happy? Like, why do I feel so like fulfilled? You know? And it's like, oh, like I'm like, I'm back with like sharing my space with someone, like just doing the everyday things, like, oh, you want to go grocery shopping? Oh, like mm-hmm. I put the dishes away. It's like, wow, like you don't have to do it all alone. And it's just like such a beautiful feeling. And I forgot how good that felt, you know, and like yeah. it really like reminded me of like the beauty of friendships and like just yeah. like being intentional with your friendships as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, even on social media, I've been seeing um, posts and videos around like looking for friends to like just run errands with, right? Like every time you get together with your friends doesn't need to be like a five course meal and like, you know, spending lots of money and like doing these extravagant things. Like it could be like, hey, can you come with me to Walgreens to pick up a prescription and then we get ice cream or, you know, something like that. Like just the mundaneness of life. I think that that mm-hmm. is what people are really craving is just like connections like that where you can kind of just, you know, throw your hair in a bun and put on some sweats and like just live life with people. I think those are the kinds of connections people are really longing for. Yes. I like to call that casual intimacy. We're just like, we're just vibing. Yeah. We're just having a good time. <laughs> like we're just, I just need to do something real quick. Can you come with me? Like even right. if I like have a task, like someone to hold me accountable, just be in the room and help me like mm-hmm. <laughs> just be there. So yes. yeah, no, I like that. So I did take your sister friend quiz and I was like, Ooh. oh, I'm for sure going to get either peacemaker or wallflower. And when I took okay. it, it said leader. And I was like, leader oh. like you know, i was surprised by that okay. and i you're also a leader so what would you say makes a leader in a friend group mm. yeah so i think it you know I, I love to hear when people are like surprised by their results because yeah. you know i think it's important to think about like okay well what led to this result and like what friend group were you thinking about when you took the quiz because that's something i think mm-hmm. that's important to note is that it could change depending on like what circle you're talking about or you know, if there has been a recent move and like now there's distance and so y'all are like reimagining what, you know, the friendship in the circle even looks like. Um, But I think, you know, typically when you think about like the leader in a friend circle, this is kind of the glue of the circle. So like when the group gets together, like this is the person who's primarily organizing it. If there's somebody who like puts their car down and everybody needs to Venmo them later, it's typically them. You know, like this is the person that kind of takes on the admin role, I think, in yeah. a lot of circles and really is kind of responsible for, you know, all of the gatherings and the organization of the circle. Yeah. Now that you say that, that does make sense because I love to gather and I love to host. See? But it's just- 
interesting how we perceive ourselves sometimes and like mm-hmm. how we're like, oh, like that's just like the role I take, you know, but right. no, I remember reading that like the leader often deals with like being also known as like the strong friend right. and like what that means. And so often we hear check on your strong friends, especially during this month being September suicide mm-hmm. prevention awareness month, like checking on your strong friends, like make sure they're doing good. But I guess my question is like, how do we do that? How do, and like, sometimes our strong friends don't know that they need to be checked on. Like, mm-hmm. so just how, how do we check on our strong friends and how are we there for our strong friends? Would you say? Yeah. You know, I think it kind of goes back to our earlier conversation about, you know, your friend sharing with you, like, Hey, do you know when you're stressed, you make these noises? Cause I think checking on somebody is not like a one-time kind of thing. Um, you know, I think you have to have a continuous relationship to really be able to check on anybody meaningfully. Right. And, you know, so of course things get busy and maybe you haven't talked to people, you know, in a couple of weeks, but you know, can you be intentional about sending that text message or saying like, Hey girl, we haven't caught up in a minute. Like, Let's do brunch this weekend or, you know, some something like that. Um, But I think when you're thinking about like checking on people, especially somebody who, you know, identifies or you perceive as a strong one, it has to go beyond a cursory like, hey, how are you doing? I think sometimes it is, you know, like, hey, I know you had this big project coming up at work. Like, tell me about it. You know, so prodding a little bit more, like asking more in-depth questions that they can't easily answer with like a yes or a no. Um, But again, I think, you know, making sure that you're intentional about like checking in with people on a regular basis, not just a one time, you know, kind of thing, because people who may be struggling and especially I think for a lot of black women, like we do a lot of masking, you know, we don't necessarily want to ask for help. We don't want people to know that we're kind of hurting. And so I think there has to be a safety there where people feel comfortable saying like, I'm not doing okay. Are you creating a safe enough environment for somebody to be able to share that with you? Yeah. No, I think that's a very insightful response. I also think on the other side of that, our strong friends or sometimes ourselves, you mentioned your book, self-silencing. And mm-hmm. like, I know sometimes I'm guilty of this where I'm like, oh, like, let me not ask for help because I don't want to be a burden or let me yes. not like ask for help. because Like, I don't want to like, se- not seem weak, but like, I want to keep, I want to do it. I want to be able to do it because I want to, I right. feel like this expectation of myself. So yes. if you could explain yes. a little bit more on like what self-silencing is and like why we do it, just for my own <laughs> curiosity, I would love mm-hmm. to know why I do that. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it can come from a lot of different places as with anything in our life. Um, But I think some of it is, you know, like a lot of us want to take up as little space as possible. And so we have been socialized to kind of keep everything quiet. You mentioned not wanting to be a burden, right? And a lot of us feel like, oh, everybody has a lot going on. So I don't want to add to their plate. But I think when we look at the reverse of that, if our friends call on us, we are often quick to like clear the calendar, like, okay, what do you need me to do? Like, I'm ready to jump in. But we don't look at the the reverse of that in terms of like allowing our friends to actually show up for us, right? Like there are people in our lives who probably would love to be able to like step up and support us, but we don't ever make the ask. And I think a lot of people feel like, oh, they should just know that I'm struggling or, you know, if they really love me, they would just offer. Um, and yeah, that would be great, right? But again, everybody has stuff going going on. And so I often encourage people, you know, that it's not so much about like people offering you help without having to ask, though that would be great. 
it is more important for you to get the help that you need. And so can you kind of put on your big girl pants and make the ask and say, hey, can you help me to do this thing? Now, I also think, though, one of the ways that sisterhood, I think, kind of comes into play here is that when we know that about our girls, I think we can help them practice asking right so if you know you have this strong friend in your group and they are likely not to ask like oh i need help you know getting picked up from the airport or whatever i think when we can it's good to try to be proactive and offer assistance even if you know they don't want to readily take it um just because it, it gets you know gets them into the routine of like okay there are things i can ask for and people who i can count on to be there for me yeah no i love that you said that um even like it's struck a memory for me because I'm someone who's like, like let's say we're at the restaurant and like I get the wrong order. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna be like, uh-huh. oh, this is the universe wanted for me. And like it wasn't until yeah. I was like in the life of my sister and my sister's wife was like, Rachel, say like say them to fix your order. Like it's not what you ordered. And I was like, no, no, no. And she's like, she's like, I will go up with you and we will do it together. And like. I am 26 at this point. I'm not grown enough to like be able to speak up for myself, but just having that support and being like, oh, I can say something was wrong and like, can you fix it? Scary, mm-hmm. very scary for me. But mm-hmm. when I did that, it like empowered me to do more on my own. And just like, even in that instance, like the, like that changed how I view things. Cause like, there's so many times where you could get the wrong word and I just don't say anything. So I don't want right. to be, you know, so yeah, I just really yeah. thought that. I love that example, Rachel, because I think, you know, going back to the self-silencing piece, like I think a lot of us have been raised to kind of like minimize our needs or to pretend that we don't even have needs, right? Which is not human, right? So we we are not like just fleshy robots, like we're actually actual humans with like feelings and emotions and, and all of these things, which means that we need things. There are things that we will need as we go throughout life. And I think this is an example of something that is like, a great way to practice voicing your needs. Because I think we often think like being assertive means that you have to be aggressive, but there's a way that you can like nicely say to, you know, a wait staff or, you know, the chef like, hey, you know, I think there's been a mistake. My order is not what I ordered, you know? So I think practicing that really is a great way to kind of build up to bigger ask and to voicing more of our needs. So I love that restaurant example because I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. And I typically tell people to practice that, like that and making returns at stores often come up in conversations. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just keep it. Um, it's okay. Yeah, like, like, yeah I'll just no. keep it. I'll just buy a new size. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'll just what fifty dollars. It's okay. Like no, <laughs> right, right. But it's good to like challenge. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I think that's so beautiful. Um, so in your book, you mentioned radical softness. Um, can you explain a little bit what that is? I know we talked a lot about like being the strong friend, and like the opposite of that is like not so much the opposite, but like one thing to like practice while we are our strong friends and leaders in our group is how to be practice radical softness. So can Mm -hmm. you explain a little bit about that and like what you meant in your book with radical softness? Yeah, I think that there are so many spaces in the world that require Black women to like have this armor, right? So we go into professional settings and we're kind of ready to be undermined. And, you know, like there are just so many places that I think require us to kind of always have our guard up. 
And I think in our sister circles, in company and in relationship with other Black women, it's where we can practice taking that off. And I think that requires radical softness, right? So just as we have practiced how to put this armor on and kind of be ready to face the world, how can we also practice like taking all of that off and that letting people actually see us vulnerably and authentically yeah. for who we are? And I think that as Black women, we often create those spaces for one another. I think that's why it's so important when we share you know, things that we are struggling with or, you know, concerns that we may have because it is very likely that you're not the only person in a circle who is experiencing that, right? And so when that first person says like, hey, I feel really embarrassed about this or this is something I've really struggled with and I've been embarrassed to say it, it opens up this whole new level of vulnerability and intimacy, I think, in a circle that is really, really beautiful and allows everybody to flourish. And so when I talk about radical softness, I'm talking about like taking off all of that armor and really kind of being emotionally naked in a lot of ways with one another yeah no vulnerability is such a scary thing um but it's such a powerful thing when you're able to do it and like also feeling like you're part of creating a safe space for other people to be vulnerable is just like a domino effect almost like because mm-hmm. in that i was like oh like how can we show radical softness to ourselves because we could be so hard on ourselves and like oh, you said gosh. masking and like yeah. <laughs> and like masking in a sense of like Sometimes we're masked so much we don't even know what we look like because we're so like we're so used to like having to put on and perform or like be something we're not so much aligned with and just ways that we can be softer to yourself. So, do you have anything that you do to practice radical softness with yourself and like your di- own dynamics and friendships and relationships? Yeah, I love that you said that because I don't think I well I do think that softness is not just about like our relationship with one with other people. It's also about being soft with ourselves, right? And so to your point, like so many of us are so, so critical in our language and in our self-talk, you know, so we make a mistake and it's like the end of the world and we're the worst person ever and I'm a failure and like all of this really, really harsh, critical language. And we would never talk to our best friends that way, right? Like when they make a mistake, it's like, oh girl, I'm sorry that happened. Like you'll get it next time. Or, you know, like we're just very gentle and compassionate. And I think radical softness also is an invitation for us to be gentle and kind and compassionate with ourselves. Um, So when I think about like the kinds of things that I do to kind of practice radical softness with myself, I think it is about um, setting boundaries and like not saying yes to too many things, which is hard because like, I, you know, there's so many cool things that I want to be doing and I get lots of nice like invitations, but I just can't, I can't do it all. Right. And so I think for me, radical softness is about boundary setting and being very careful about my time and my schedule. Um, All so, you know, making time to be with friends and family, you know, so that I can kind of step away from things um, and, you know, be as ingrained in that world as I am in my professional world. Uh, oof. You opened up the whole door for me. Um, boundaries. <laughs> no. Um, I I wonder because, like, I've been trying to practice boundaries in my own life and setting them, not just, like, for myself, but in my friendships, and especially as I'm making new friends, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's one thing when friends have known you for a long time, you almost feel it's twofold. It's like you feel safer with them. So you're like, oh, like, I don't feel like doing that. But then like, mm-hmm. they also can push you sometimes. You're like, okay, are they pushing a boundary? Or are they challenging me and right. trying to discern what the difference is and like trying to see if like, you rise up to that challenge? You're like, no, that's a firm boundary for me. So I guess like, um, how do you set boundaries with people who 
like know you, you know, and like make sure that like they're not like have those conversations where it's not out of a sense of spite, but it's just like this is where I'm at right now. Like, can you meet me there? Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, I don't know that I have as much trouble with like personal boundary setting because I feel like I have people in my life who have known me for quite some time yeah. and even like newer friends I feel like you know we're very similar and so mm-hmm. those kind of like boundary pushing kinds of things don't come up as much um I would say I, I struggle with boundary setting far more in my professional life than I do oh. in my personal life um and having a great team has been the thing that has helped me with that right so that I'm not you know kind of answering all the emails and answering all the messages and you know taking all the phone calls like having people in place to kind of help me with some of that has really been a game changer oh again having community is so helpful yes exactly um, I love that for you no I think especially um boundaries like for myself because I know that I could just be like yes like I'll say yes to everything like I'm like oh yeah without checking my calendar and then I look at my calendar like oh man every day this week I'm doing something and just you forget that you make time for yourself and Mm -hmm. so like now I'm just like okay we need at least like one solo day where we're just with you and you're intentional with yourself and you get to spend time with yourself and then like you just like I'll be like oh like can I get back to you on that I'm like oh Mm -hmm. yes I'm down but so that's something I've been practicing it's made a world of a difference but I also have to remember Rachel, don't say yes, because I get so excited. I'm just like, maybe wait a second. (laughs) I love that. I love the idea of like buying yourself time like that, right? Like, let me get back to you because then you have a chance to like check in with yourself, to check your schedule, to see like, okay, Mm -hmm. because it's not just about that day. Like you said, like it's about the rest of the week too. And like, okay, what is this week shaping up to be or this month shaping up to be? And like, am I creating enough time for all these other things that are really, really important to me? So I also think it's important to think about like, when you say no to things, um, that mm-hmm. like opportunities are not typically once in a lifetime, right? So, you know, somebody inviting you to a cool movie or something, like even if you can't say yes to this one, like there will be another movie, right? So like really working to kind of get yourself out of like, oh, if I say no to this, like they'll take me off the list or whatever. Um, and, and understanding like the spaces and opportunities that are meant for us will never pass us by. And so I think a lot of times we say yes to things because we're afraid like, oh, I'm never going to get to do that thing again. But how many like once in a lifetime opportunities. Now that I think if Beyonce calls that it probably a once in a lifetime (laughs) thing, right? (laughs) Clear your calendar for the queen. But you know, most things in life, like it will circle back around or, you know, maybe there's a reason why it would not have been a good thing for you to do whatever it is now anyway. Um, So I think that that kind of thinking can help to, to, you know, help you with boundary setting as well. Oh, no, I love that. I feel like to, to your point, like, feeling like you're like oh once they invite me they're never gonna invite me again or like this fear of like missing out or this fear Mm -hmm. of like even rejection almost like afraid to say no to someone because like the people pleaser me is like oh i can't say no because then like they'll be rejected and they don't want to hang out with me or then i'll be rejected it's like the cycle but like mm-hmm. you said, like an opportunity that's truly meant for you will be for you. And like, yeah. it'll come again if it's meant to be. Like, there's nothing to be ruined if like you're taking care of yourself. Exactly. And you're just exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I think that is something that I am trying to lean more into is like this full body yes experience. Um, so Ooh. a guest on the podcast talked about that. Dr. Crystal um, came on the podcast to talk about like, she only says yes to things that like are absolutely a full body yes. So like things that you commit to, like even three months down the line when the date arrives like you will still be excited about it i think that that is such a beautiful you know like 
honoring of yourself and like your energy and not to say like yes to everything and then the date rolls around and you're like oh why did I say yes to that right um you know because that's the other thing that can happen is that you can be become resentful of these people and experiences because you're not honoring yourself and so I think saying yes to only the things that really will light you up even if it's two months from now is also you know you can be more present in those kinds of experiences as opposed to like you know begrudgingly dragging yourself out of bed to go to something that you really are not excited about no i full body yes i've never heard that before but it makes so much sense like when something feels right it should feel right like there shouldn't be any doubts or like "Mm, maybe not like because I know we all love like those memes are like, oh, when someone cancels plans with me and it's just like, they're so happy. And it's like, well, we're allowed to say no, guys. Like <laughs> speaking to myself as well. But yeah. yeah, we find ourselves in positions. And it's like, if we listen to our bodies and do these scans, like the answers are usually pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. So with friendships, we have like our lifelong friends we've been friends with for a while. And that requires a level of maintenance. What would you say... Um, what keeps a friendship going? Like, what is the quality of like a lasting friendship in your personal life that you've noticed and in the work you've done? Mm-hmm. I think the the number one quality is being intentional with like checking in and spending time with one another. Because I think you know, to our earlier conversation around how much priority we put on like romantic relationships and those kinds of things. Like we put it on our schedule, we we doing all the the workshops and the checking in and all of that stuff. And I think we don't often think to do that with our friendships, which means that they are easily left off the calendar. We tend to kind of approach our friendships as like, oh, we'll catch up when we can kind of thing, as opposed to let's pull out our calendars right now. Mm -hmm. And three months from now, we're going to do this trip or we're going to, you know, spend this weekend together or whatever. Um, And so I think being really intentional about like the time and energy you are investing in your friendships, I think is the number one thing that really um, leads to a a lasting relationship. And I think close second to that is reciprocity, right? So it should not Mm. feel like any one person's responsibility for keeping the friendship going, right? And not in a like scorekeeping like tit for tat kind of thing like okay I sent you Uber Eats now you got to send me Uber Eats not in that kind of way but in a way that feels like okay I know that if I need you like you'll be there if you can and vice versa and I feel like there's the same level of care and attention and you like you're making an effort I'm making an effort we're kind of mutually there for one another because I think it does not feel good when somebody feels like they're the one always initiating the text messages if y'all get together they're the one always doing the planning you know like that just doesn't feel good to people and so I think reciprocity is also really important in a long-lasting friendship yeah I love that I often think about as an adult having to make new friends whether it be we move out of town or where we're originally from or we're starting a new job or like we're just in a space where maybe friends have like faded out and we find ourselves looking for connection uh, what would you say be like a tip to like, like when you're looking for new friends, like what's something to look for? Mm-hmm. I typically encourage people to kind of look around the background of their life because there are likely oh. people in the background of your life that could move to the foreground with a little bit of effort. And so when I'm thinking about like the background, I'm thinking about like, is there a mom that you see in the carpool lane when you're dropping off your kids to school in the morning? Or is there a sister in your yoga class that y'all smile at each other, but like you've never taken 
it any further. And then putting yourself out there to kind of just invite them to do something. So, hey, do you want to grab a smoothie after yoga? Or, hey, do you want to grab lunch after you drop the kids off? Like just a small ask um, to, to see if this is somebody who you would enjoy spending time with. And I think the key here really is to keep your expectations low and realistic, right? So even though you might love a new best friend in your new city, it might not be this person, but they could be a cool person to just grab a smoothie with, right? You know, so I think keeping your, your expectations realistic, know that you're kind of getting going into this experience, allowing them to know as much about you as you are about them, right? Like you don't want to have friends just for the sake of having friends. You really want to have people yeah. that you're going to be aligned with that are going to be kind and, you know, that there's going to be a um, alignment in values. And so I think just going into it as, you know, hey, let me see if this is somebody I enjoy spending time with can really help you to kind of, you know, not be, um, you know, do too much in the situation, but just kind of like, hey, let's get to know one another. Yeah, like take it easy, take it slow. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I... Similar or in that same thought, a lot of times we are warned about like red flags and romantic relationships or like, oh, toxic relationships or like things like that in like romantic senses. But there's also toxic friendships. So how would you how are you able to pinpoint or like what are your red flags and friendships that you have seen or noticed? Would mm-hmm. you say? Yeah. So I think, you know, we just had this conversation about the full body. Yes. And like being able to check in with yourself about experiences. I think that you can also do that with people. Right. So when you're thinking about like this relationship with this other person, is this somebody you look forward to seeing? Do you typically leave your interactions with one another feeling like much more of yourself? Or do you feel like, oh, I kind of feel icky or like I feel really drained after I spend time with this person like all of those are indicators and typically if we are paying attention like our body is giving us information about what spaces feel good to us and so I think checking in with yourself after you've had like a friend date and doing some journaling like okay what did I enjoy about this were there any concerns I had Um, do you feel like there was like space for everybody to share or does this person kind of take up a lot of space and like doesn't include you in conversation um, you know, if you feel like it is already not not reciprocal, right? So you're the one always reaching out and they never do. Um, is there the expectation that you're always paying for when y'all hang out um, and they're not doing that? You know, like I think some of those kinds of things are very early things to be paying attention to. But I do think that the primary one is like, how does it feel to be with this person, right? Like, do you enjoy it or do you resent or, you know, not look forward to it when you see their name pop up on your text message and you're like, oh, here they go again, Right. I think that that is something to pay attention to. But we typically brush it off. Right. Like, oh, you know, maybe they were just having a bad day or whatever. And that's possible. Right. Like we're all we're all um, entitled to bad days. But I think holistically and kind of like across time and across situations, if this is some somebody who you spend time with and you leave feeling drained and feeling like, oh, I'm not really excited to see this person again. It's okay to just not spend time with that person. Yeah. Like. You don't have to be like you, you obviously like you don't ever want to ghost anyone, but like having those conversations, like knowing, okay, this is a a space that I feel safe in or I want to necessarily want to continue. Cause like you said, being very intentional with your time, intentional with your energy is so important, especially like as we're on our self love journeys, on our journey of healing, we want to make sure we're around people who are also healing us, like Mm -hmm. and taking care of us. So I really appreciate you saying that. 
Yeah, and I think it doesn't have to be the kind of thing where we vilify other people, right? Because I think that that can be, um, you know, what people rush to, like, oh, they're toxic or they're a bad person. Like, it's enough to just say, like, oh, I'm not really feeling it, right? Like, it doesn't have to mean that they were awful or that you were awful. It just might not be, like, a good friendship match. And that's okay. Like, it, you are both able then to kind of move on and find people who are a better friend match for you. Yeah, one quote from your book that I love and that I always tell my friends is um, you haven't met all the people who are going to love you. And I use that to like really ground me sometimes and not sometimes all the time. Like when I'm having like a hard day or like going through like a tough moment, I'm just like, okay, like I haven't like experienced all the good I'm going to experience yet. So like a reason to keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I really just like appreciate hearing that and like, like feeling that and like trying, like using that to help me stay grounded, especially as I make new friends or as mm-hmm. I like walk away some from relationships, whether it be romantic or friendship. Cause I think we go back to this, like, Oh, we're going to miss out on this opportunity, you know, but it's also like, if you stay in a place that's not good for you, you're missing out on something that could be even better, you know, right. just really, yeah. Exactly. So I really appreciate hearing that and saying that, <laughs> but no, I'm really excited for this conversation. I'm so grateful to be in the space with you. And like, I know we're wrapping up soon, but, um, our theme for this year is embodiment. And so my question is, and what I've been asking all of our guests is, what does embodiment mean to you? Ooh, I, when I think about embodiment, I think about like just being fully present um, and, you know, kind of like feeling everything and running it all through my senses. Um, you know, so how does it feel to be in this space? What does it feel like? Um, and I think about, when I think about embodiment, I think about sunshine. I think a lot in like the way the sunshine feels on my face and on my body. Like I love sunshine. I love being outside, Um, but just sitting down, not like being super active. I just love kind of exactly not, not all of that, but I love sunbathing kind of. And so I think that feels very embodied to me that like I feel it with my entire body. Lovely. And also what is one life lesson you think everyone should know? Ooh, I think the life lesson everybody should know is how to navigate a difficult conversation. Um, and I think that is true with friendships, with wait staff, in your parenting, with your kids, in, in lots of different situations. Like we will have to have difficult conversations just because, again, we're human, right? And so differences happen, miscommunication happens. And I think it's really important to know how to say, ouch, that hurt or to be able to hear that you hurt somebody else, right? Like not you only being the one to initiate that conversation, but can you also hold a space for somebody to come to you with something difficult and awkward? And I think that that would do so much for our relationships because I think far too often we just ghost, right? Like we don't want to have the difficult, hard conversation. So it's like, okay, I'm out of here. But it would be far better, I think, for many of our relationships if we just learned how to either initiate the conversation or for our house, a whole space for somebody to come to us with it. Yeah. I always feel so empowered and seeing when like I'm able to go to a friend or a friend's able to come to me and have a difficult conversation. Cause that means we're both showing up to do the work and we're both yeah. showing up to make more space for goodness in our relationship. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like I care about you. And so like, here's something I, that's on my heart right. and something like, like I want to know if like, I'm making you feel good in our dynamic. Like we got to be able to have those hard conversations. Cause you know, 
it could be easier. Like we can make it easier. We just have exactly. to get to this hard conversation. Yeah. Right, right. And typically, you know, I think people are worried that like it means the friendship will end if you have one of these conversations. But truthfully, it typically makes the relationship more solid. And it, it really opens up this new level of trust and vulnerability um, because now you're able to go there, right? Like you're able to kind of um, push one another in ways that you couldn't have if you didn't make space for that first conversation. Exactly. Well, Dr. Joy, on that note, thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure just sharing space with you and just sharing conversation. Um, before you leave, though, how can our audience support you and find you? Where can they go? Mm-hmm. So you can find me at Hello Dr. Joy across all social media channels. Um, you can grab your copy of Sisterhood Heals at sisterhoodheals.com. And if you want to tap into more of the mental health resources we have at Therapy for Black Girls, you can do that at therapyforblackgirls.com. Yes, everyone, please read Sisterhood Heals. It's so good. It's been an amazing journey. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Joy. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you all for joining us for a very special episode of The Unfolding, presented by the Lovin' Foundation. At the Lovin' Foundation, we are committed to showing up for communities of color in unique and powerful ways, with a particular focus on Black women and girls. Our resources and initiatives are collaborative, and they prioritize opportunity, access, validation, and healing. Since our founding, the Therapy Fund has provided financial support for therapy to over 13,000 Black women, girls, and non-binary individuals across the country. This year, our goal is to provide free therapy to at least 6,000 more. If you'd like to join us and invest in generational change, visit our website at theloveandfoundation.org for ways to give. To stay updated on new episodes and any future programming, follow us on Instagram and Meta, or check out our website at theloveandfoundation.org.